I want to read a passage in 2 Corinthians and look closely at a very short phrase Paul uses to remind us of where our focus needs to be, where, where our focus is and our passion and our drive should be. This short phrase is the key point to guiding us through life. If you were to read it, you go, ah, huh, that's interesting. But if you look back and you put it into context and put it together, you go, wow, that's, there's a lot there. It's very challenging. It was very challenging for me. Am I being distracted or am I focusing on what God wants me to be focusing on? Let's read 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 6. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you received a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accepted a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way, you have made this plain to you in all things. This is a fantastic passage that can literally be preached for weeks if you wanted to really dive in. I love the sarcasm and the deep love for the people that he serves. He's jealous for his church and wants them to live a life worthy of the Lord. Paul is a pastor who loves his church and is warning them of being deceived into heading down the wrong path. Um, there is something about being a pastor and working with a group of people, and I would say loving a group of people, that makes us jealous. And I would imagine, I know Ryan fairly well, and I bet he would follow this up too. Um, we are jealous for you. You guys are super important to us. Um, and there is a love for the people that we have. Um, and if something threatens that, that jealousy part comes out. And Paul talks about that. If we look in the first part, it says, um, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. There is a protectiveness that takes place. And in all honesty, the last big argument that I got into was with a threat theologically that I felt. And that is just something with inside pastors that you're reading when you hear Paul talk. So when we ask you how you're doing spiritually, how your life is going, man, we mean it. Because we love you and care for you. And there is a jealousy there that you're reading and you're hearing Paul talk about in that. The second part is, in the second section, is a different gospel. If someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one that you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, 
You put up with it readily enough. He's talking about a group of people that he loves, and they're being influenced by people bringing another gospel. Other, you know, Galatians and other places talk about that as an occurrence that takes place. So he's saying, understand the gospel. Understand Jesus Christ, the one that I brought to you, the pure word. That's the one. Don't be distracted. Don't be pulled away by something different. Focus on Christ. Don't be distracted. Paul is warning them of being deceived and losing focus on what is the most important thing in life, not only important, but life-giving and the center of our existence here on earth. It is bringing clarity to our lives. Here it is. Are you ready for that little saying? It's simply this. But I'm not afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by the cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. A pure, a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Imagine living a life where that is your passion. Not only a desire to know Christ or to follow Christ, but a devotion to it. That's a different level, isn't it? When someone is devoted, that's, that's the next level up. And that's what he's saying, a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. What, what does Paul mean when he says sincere and pure devotion to Christ? Let me give you an example. Uh, it's a devotion of a husband to a wife. We'll use that as an example. A devotion of a husband, a, a great husband to a wife, a, a husband who's devoted to his wife, first and foremost, what? He knows her. He knows the tone of voice, right? He knows that look, both good and bad. That look when you're in trouble and that look when, man, you've done good. When they walk away, you know the speed at which they're walking. You know the tone in the voice. You know the background of the wife. And can not only understand it, but understand her, but anticipate her. That's a devoted husband right there. The husband that is married but not devoted doesn't know his wife. Doesn't know the cues. Doesn't know how to love her. Is more interested in in her love towards him than his love towards her. Which one is a sincere and pure devotion? It's the same way with Christ, isn't it? That's what Paul is calling us to be and to live our life with a sincere and pure devotion. There's a pastor and theologian named Sam Storm who calls this this same sincere and pure devotion, single-minded and altogether preoccupation with the person of Christ and the life that pleases him. Let me read that again. A single-mindedness and altogether preoccupation with the person of Christ and a life that pleases him. That's being devoted. Boy, what a powerful statement. Let me ask you this. Are you preoccupied with Jesus? What are we preoccupied with? And how do we become preoccupied with Jesus? Let's look at the phrase, Paul is calling us to believe rightly who Jesus is 
and to have our life reflect that understanding. We are devoted to Jesus because he is who he is. He is God, and he is worthy. If you look out at the beautiful creation that he has made, we're just in awe. He is worthy of our devotion. Even if he's done nothing for us in our life, he is simply worthy. Jesus is our Lord, the creator of the universe, the transformer of our lives, and the one who sits at the right hand of the Father. He is beyond description or comprehension, yet comforts us when life is crashing around us. He is the one who speaks to us through his word and prayer, carefully guiding the right people to come along us in time of our greatest need. He is the one who protects us and is our advocate. He is the one who died for us that we may be with him forever. He is more than worthy of our sincere and pure devotion. A life focused on and desperately pursuing Jesus every day is the only way to respond. It's a life understanding this devotion to Christ directs us how to live. Let's look at a few verses and show us that this devotion to Christ leads to change in how we live. When we focus on Jesus, it naturally changes the way that we see people, act towards people, how we live our life. When we focus on Jesus, I don't know about you, but when I focus on me, it's a different lifestyle. When I put me first, there's a marked difference in the way that I treat people than when I'm focusing on Jesus Christ. Inevitable. And that's what we're looking for. A change. Let's look at these verses that talk about that. 2 Corinthians 1.12 says this. For our boast is this. The testimony of our conscience. That we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity. Not by earthly wisdom. But by the grace of God. And, supreme, and supremely so towards you. Key words is... Behave in a world with simplicity and godly sincerity. That is a life devoted to Christ. That sincerity on him. It is demonstrating the grace of God to people who desperately want to see something different. We've seen the world, haven't we? What excites us and draws people is seeing a life that is focused on Jesus. Second is this, 2 Corinthians 8.2 says, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. These are people who have given beyond their means. These are people who said, this is yours. It's that ability to give when we don't think that we can. Maybe that's financially. Maybe that is physically serving. It is a life focused on Jesus that allows us to do that. The next one is Second Corinthians 9.13. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them. And for all others. Again, it's a giving rather than a taking when we're focused on Jesus. 
a sincere and pure devotion to Christ without question will always lead to a changed life because God's spirit is in you, drawing you towards him. And he will always move you towards him when we have that pure and simple devotion. But let's get specific. Let's take this a little deeper. What should we focus on and what causes us to live a devoted life? What is the main motor that changes us, that keeps us focused? A sincere and pure devotion to Christ is focused on the gospel. The Christian knows what Jesus has done for um, for you and not what you have done for him. See the difference? A gospel-centered life is one that focuses on what Christ has done for you rather than what you are doing for him. And it's being able to celebrate Jesus rather than my own good works. Okay. Because if we're focusing on our own good works and not on the one who has saved us, I guarantee you right now you will get tired very quickly. And it's, it's very legalistic and rules-based. And that will wear anybody out. When we focus on the gospel and what Christ has done for us, that is liberating, that is freeing in a way that we've never experienced before. And we can live a life devoted to Christ. Let's look at some pivotal verses, and a lot of these you have seen. What is the gospel? What do we keep focused on? Let's look first at our need. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we understand our need, we celebrate when we are rescued. And Christ is the only one who can rescue us. But until we understand our need, we don't seek Christ. Um, there are people in my life who I've given the gospel to 19 different ways. And the, always the hinge point is the need. Simply, don't feel like there's a need to follow Christ. There's not a need to accept him as Savior. My life is pretty good. You know, really, why? That's always the toughest part, is to see our need. And that's something that only God can do. Only God can touch the heart. But it starts with our need. Second is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, that is a verse that if you have not memorized, memorize it. Know it, understand it. And here's my challenge to you. In the Christian world, especially if you've grown up in the church, information is not the issue. Information is not the issue. It's being able to take a verse like this, internalize it, and be just walk away going, I am undone. To understand the verse and the power of that verse will change our lives. It talks about God's mercy and God's justice and God's love. And that is the gospel. Christ died for our sins so that we may be with him. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done. And maybe you've been like a friend of mine who once said, I have lived a life, uh, he didn't put it this way, but 
He's lived a life so bad that God cannot redeem him. God cannot accept him. And he, and I stood there in stunned silence, but he was dead serious. He believed that he lived life so bad that God could not change him or accept him. And that was a long conversation. It was a great conversation. But the gospel is clear. God's justice and God's mercy in our lives. And that's why we can focus on the gospel and get excited. And finally, two more. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4 says this. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance to scriptures. The gospel starts all the way back in Genesis. And when he talks about the scriptures, it's lined all the way through the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, all the way through the New. The gospel is there. If you look at Genesis 3.15, it starts there, and some say even earlier. But God has a plan for your life. And once we've accepted Christ, what happens? How can we change? What does that mean? Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because God loved you so much and he wants his holiness to be upheld so much, he died for you and now, as Paul says, you have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we've got to come to this understanding that we, we are new. With Christ living with us and being unified and having a union, we are new. And let's live a new life. No matter what the past is like, we are living a new life because Christ is there. And he is with us always. He knows exactly the life that you have lived. And he is there with you. And that helps us to go. Thank you, Lord. Because if you're like me, I can, I can drag guilt along in a wagon better than anybody. Right? There are things in my life I did in the sixth grade. I look back and go, good Lord, what'd you do? Well, we're just holding on to it. Let's keep it going. Once you realize all that's gone... That's when you can live in celebration of the gospel and in celebration and pure devotion, sincerity to the life of Christ. It's all because of the gospel. What are some of the distractions that we face? What keeps us from focusing on the gospel? What are some things? And these, I just wrote down, there can be a million of them. And I would challenge you today to go home and think about, okay, I truly want to be devoted to Christ in the way that Paul talks about what keeps me from doing that. What distracts me from doing that? Because we've got to live beyond distraction. We've got to live a focus on the gospel and what is distracting us. So I just I threw some out there. What about work? Does work distract us? Work is needed, right? You like to eat. You like to keep a roof over your head. Does work keep us? from focusing on the Lord. Uh, it was interesting living in the Bay Area for a while during um, 
a lot of tech going on there. And there was a big push and there was a lot of hours that people were putting in. If you weren't putting in 70, 80 hours, you were slacking at that point. And there was this undercurrent of you should have made it by the time you were 35 or 40. You know, you should have developed a, a, a widget and sold it. And you're now been retired and you're kind of starting another thing. But work was so demanding. I thought, how do people focus on other things? How do people focus on family and Christ? And it was almost a, in some circles, there was a sense of pride on how much time we actually worked. Nobody worked 40 hours. You were just, that, that wasn't even a question. It was 50 on up. I don't know how people can stay focused on the proper things when they're working so much. So how's your work schedule? Are you leaving time in your life to spend with Christ? How much do you think about Christ during your day? Paul says what? Pray without ceasing. That's constantly talking to the Lord throughout the day, no matter if you're uh, building a house or coding or painting or whatever. Check for work. What about personal insecurities? Personal insecurities, being able to focus or focusing more on uh, our areas of need rather than looking at Christ and saying, he's going to build me up in that area and taking uh, ownership and saying, I give this over to Christ. I'm weak in this area. I, re- I recognize that everybody in here has their own personal insecurities. means you're normal. But being able to give that to Christ and say, I don't understand it. I want to change and I want to focus in on your gospel. Take it. How are we processing through that? Finally, this. What about another love? We are called to love Christ first and foremost, right? What takes our time? What takes our thoughts? What takes our energies more than Christ? You know how you find out? You check two things. Ready for this? Check your calendar and your checkbook. Those are two instant ways of checking what take up the most part of my day and my time. And where am I giving space to Christ? How do we keep Jesus first? How do we make him first and his gospel first? Let me start with this. Fall in love with scripture. Absolutely fall in love with this book. This will change your life. God uses it. It says it's his very breath. There's not much better. I've yet to find anything better than God's word. Love God's word. Second is this. Get away and pray. Get away where it's just you and the Lord. Maybe it's in your house. Everyone's gone or it's quiet. It's just you. There's no distractions. Maybe you drive up to highlight for half a day and just pray. Be with the Lord. Third, begin serving. If you're not serving yet, reach out and serve someone. Show them Christ with your actions. Give to people. Serve them. And finally, we'll end with this. Every single day, thank God for his gospel. Make that a part of who you are. Understand what he's done and say thank you. You may not understand it all. That's fine. But you can understand 
God loves you and is changing you and wants you to follow his ways. When we focus on the gospel, that's when we live beyond distraction. And that's when we start living a devoted life to Christ. Let's pray. Father, again, what an honor it is just to hear your word. To see, Father, how to live a life for you. First and foremost, give us that desire to follow you and to be with you. And to live a life that you call us to live. Simply for the fact that we are thankful for the gospel and thankful for Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you in your your son's holy and precious name. Amen.